and you can live in the day. All right, uh, Rokas, go ahead and um, say, say that question again. Okay. Why are some people so comfortable in their own skin from a young age? Is it from parenting or because of the differences in our individuality? Um, well, it's an interesting question because you could also ask the opposite, right? Why are people uncomfortable in their own skin from, from when they're born? Right. You could also, but then will the opposite then apply to being comfortable to why you'd be comfortable? I would hope so. I would hope so. I've never gone. I've never taken this uh, logical uh, staircase, so I don't know what it looks like. But I imagine if if something is to be true in absolute truth, it has to be true in all Mm -hmm. But then the world doesn't necessarily in absolute doesn't work in absolute truths. The world? Yeah. I don't think the world really works in absolute truths, don't you think? It it depends on the truth. Um or it depends on the con, con, the perspective or the conception of truth. Okay. It's complicated. So like this is what Socrates built his entire work on, which is the absolute truth of certain values and virtues. For example, love, mm-hmm. uh, justice, uh, courage, righteousness, etc. Those are considered absolute. If mm-hmm. you have them, or if they exist, they exist in one form everywhere. So when when people would ask him to define what an absolute truth was like there's plato wrote i don't know some 20 discourses or whatever all stories about socrates discussing absolute truth and you know one is about love one of them is about trust and one of them is about faith and things like that and whatever uh he he goes through the meaning of what that virtue would be in absolute truth and what it would be in non-absolute truth. Mm-hmm. So the, in the, the discourse on love, I forget what it's called. Uh, it might be called Phaeto or Credo, but he's, they're all sitting around drinking at one of their friend's house and Socrates comes over and they're like, oh, Socrates, you're here. Now you can help us define what love is and he says i don't know anything (laughs) as he always said he said i don't know anything about it um but i will know more after i hear all of your wisdom on it and so he asks that he that everyone go one by one and explain what their definition of love is and he said i'll go at the very end Mm -hmm. and so it gets to his turn at the end and he starts talking about He says, okay, you've all said amazing things about love, but none of those things are absolute. What those are, are aspects, they're smaller aspects of the greater picture of love. And because someone talked about the love of another person, like a spouse, someone talked about the love of uh, sexual uh, uh, engagement. Another one talked about the love of a thing, 
And he's like, those are all parts of love. But to me, love absolute is spirit. And he starts to go into how his guru, um, uh, her name is Dio, Diotima, I think, or Diomata, I don't remember. Uh, he, he only talks about her once in every discourse. I've never seen her, him talk about her ever outside of this one. Um, but when he was being trained by her, she taught him that absolute love was actually just love of um, self, which is a big S, which means soul, spirit, or enlightenment. So absolute love is some kind of connection with divinity through enlightenment or self-realization. I'm, I'm telling you, if, if you have, if you can only read one thing, any discourse by Plato talking about the life of Socrates, read that stuff. That stuff is amazing literature. It truly is. Um, but anyway, we're, we're going off of a sidetrack. Um, so in my opinion, in using Eastern mythology here and using one of the various levels of this, this question, right? Cause there's various levels here and we can go after certain ones of them. The, the, the basic foundation reason is karma. And it's not something that this life can explain. Meaning why is someone born uh, already comfortable um, is it their parents or, or what was the other reason? Is it their, uh, is it individuality or parents? Is it individuality? So yes, the answer is yes to everything. So because it's their karma, it's everything, right? Because karma is everything pretty much. So their parents are a part of their karma, a part of their story. Their individuality is, is, is who they are in this world. It's, it's their dharma to be that person. So the karma of the individual is their roadmap. It sets them out on that path. And it says, all these things are going to happen. And if they don't happen, these other things will happen to make up for that. And these little pieces will get put in the way to build this puzzle. And those pieces are the karma. And I have a certain karma in this life. You have a certain karma in this life. We all have our own individual karma to experience and to be comfortable in my own skin was a karma of mine. To, to be uncomfortable in certain situations was a karma of mine. Everyone, you know, from Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk to my neighbor, who no one knows and no one will ever know, has their own karma. And they have their own individual karma to live out. So whether you're comfortable or uncomfortable in your skin doesn't matter. It's, it's to the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter because that's your karma. And um, it, <clears throat> everything along the way helps solidify that karma and shape it. So your parents are going, you know, we say your parents are your first gurus. They're your first teachers. Uh, your parents are going to help shape your karma. Uh, your financial or economic, socioeconomic situation as you were born from your parents is going to shape your karma. Your, um, all these factors, whatever, whatever I say, is just all these factors um, are related to your karma. Now, this is where my friend, our good friend and, and guest, 
um, Arthur would say, well, what about free will? Me and him have talked about free will a lot. And free will is an interesting discussion because all of this naturally comes in on free will and says, well, you know, if all of it's predestined and it's our karma, then we don't have free will. But what what that argument lacks is the misunderstanding of the fluidity of karma and how karma is both solid and fluid at the same time. It's like you can change your karma, right? Correct. It's like lava, right? Sometimes it's extremely hot and it's flowing. If that cools down, it solidifies, it hardens. That could also crack and become dust and find enough. Maybe you can vaporize it and turn it into some kind of gas. It's, it's the one substance. It's a one substance that can be changed into different forms. So yes, we are destined to experience something, but that something can be anything. And that anything is still predestined. I should actually write that down. I've never said that out loud before in that way. And I think that was very clear. And anything can be predestined. Yes. But then, wait, let me look up predestined. Just, just show them on the right track. Of an outcome or course of events determined end at once by divine will or fate. So, how does this, this read that again for everyone listening? Okay, sorry. Predestined means of an outcome or course of events determined in advance by divine will or fate. Okay, determined in advance. This is key here because in our limited thinking, by using the conscious mind and the subconscious, we are all of a sudden put into a bubble. Um, and we're put into it. We have barriers of concepts by using the mind. So for example, if you say predestined or predetermined and you say, uh, 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 what does Arthur say? Um, free will, all of a sudden these concepts have definitions, meaning they have barriers, they have periods, they end, and we cannot go outside of them or else we lose the scope of them just like we were talking about absolute truth. If it's to be true, it has to fit into a certain um, concept or else it is not absolute. It, it has to work in all of these scenarios or else it's not true. Now, karma breaks those laws because it is the fabric of reality. There is, there is a perfection to the imperfection. So you cannot define these things, yet you can define them. It doesn't make sense. It, so, when you said perfection, like of imperfection, that makes sense, yeah. Okay. Perfection so, and imperfection, sorry. It's 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 the it's the classic um you know butterfly effect. What if I had done this today and I, all of these things would have changed after it? Okay, take have you seen the movie with Ashton Kutcher? Um The Butterfly Effect. It's from like the year down. But I think Mr. Nobody is a similar example of that. Have you seen it? Uh, who is that one with? Uh, let me try. I don't know that one. I really seen- enjoyed it. 
I haven't seen Butterfly. But watch Butterfly Effect when you can. It's a very good movie, and it explains this concept perfectly. But then again, I need to see Mr. Nobody in case it does as well. It is with Jared Leto. I don't know who that is. Okay. All right, I'm gonna watch Mr. Nobody. You're gonna watch Butterfly Effect. Okay. All right. We're gonna come back and talk about that. So, uh, for those of you who have seen a movie that represents different actions and results and consequences because of these actions, right? And someone having the ability to move back and forth throughout time to change their actions again, to thus change the reactions. It's the butterfly effect. So for example, if you're moving throughout time and you didn't want to change anything, the goal would be to not be seen, not step on anything, not, not change something about the space-time continuum and create a ripple and to change or alter the events of time because you eventually have to go um, back to the same future, okay? Um, and you don't want anything to change. If you do something different, all of a sudden everything will change if it has a large enough consequence. So taking that, well, how do we have free will if that's true? How do we have karma if, that's, if that happens, right? But the truth is, that's the fluidity of it. If I change or alter my reality in the space-time continuum, it doesn't matter because all of it is karma anyway. And if I do it, it's my karma. And if it happens, it was supposed to happen. So you cannot go against this law because it's so perfectly written. You cannot... You cannot change that which is so fluid and yet solid at the same time. Because your answer in arguing it will also be true. So the bank robber who, um, you know, robs a bank, gets away clean. Maybe he kills someone right in the process, but he gets away with it. That was his karma. Um, that was the karma of the person to get shot. That was the karma of the bank to get robbed. Maybe it didn't get robbed. And the guy changed his mind or the girl changed her mind. And no one died that day. That's also the same. That's also the karma. Both were perfect. Both were supposed to happen or not supposed to happen. It didn't matter what happened. So the individual comes out a certain way. In our philosophy, so we have to back up a little bit more. The reason that this is, is because somewhere in another plane of existence, the soul, the individual, planned out a certain karma in the inner worlds. That's what a Hindu believes. So they are going through, now for all of this to make sense, you also have to believe in reincarnation. Those two theories play on each other so closely that one without the other doesn't make sense for karma to be perfect. You have to also believe in reincarnation. That's what makes it perfect without reincarnation. It doesn't make any sense. Reincarnation like proves karma as a legitimate theory of reoccurring existence. So if if I'm reincarnating life after life after life, that means I come from somewhere. If I'm being spewed out into an earth, that means I came from something before I was on earth. So in that place, 
I'm discussing what I need to accomplish on, in life. And be, the realm of earth to a mystic is so perfect and so full of variety and novelty that if my karma is to be wealthy, the mixture, the ingredients in wealth soup can be many. Like you can make one soup 10 different ways. So if I'm in the inner worlds and I'm saying I need to experience karma for my soul to learn some lesson and to move on and to be a greater and greater character and being, I need this wealth. Okay, so I'm going to go onto earth. Now, here's where free will comes into play. Maybe that wealth is through the stock market. Maybe that wealth is through authoring books. Maybe that wealth is through meeting a, a billionaire who wants to hire me for his, his personal coaching and things like that. How is the spirit? Um, how is the like improvement of the spirit over time throughout the lives? Um, why is that not ego if it's wanting to improve? So that's a great question. If we, if we, in order to understand that, we need to say ego is the operating system of Earth. If this being is coming from somewhere else, a subtler plane, right? We're removing ego in those other planes. We have an inherent or innate um, succession or, or uh, ascending nature of the soul. It's natural. Okay. Now, this goes, I will say, I'll go back on what I said about that that nature of the soul, where it doesn't want that. I should say that the, the soul has, has an automatic driven response to ascend in consciousness. It does have that drive to be full, to be recognized. But the irony is, or not the irony, the catch 22 is <clears throat> it's, it's already that. So it's not like it needs ego to do that for it. It's, it's difficult to explain. Ego is just that for it to navigate through. Of. Correct. So does the soul want to be better? Mm, not necessarily. There's really no desire when it's already written inside the code okay. so the soul is it's not that the soul needs to get better it's that the soul in its perfection needs to be recognized needs to be made aware of for ego to be diminished and and, and spirit to take over what she in said sorry for interrupting um the Oh, wait, sorry. Okay, continue, because I lost the phone. Okay. So there's a couple things going on here, but you're, you're right. How is ego, like, not in the soul? And it's because the soul in and of itself is perfect. What we're doing as we reincarnate and go into life and out of life and into life and, and into life again we are slowly recognizing the perfection of the soul more and more and more and more. 
So if the soul, let's just put it inside of us for a moment, inside the physical body, just so we can picture this, the succession. We're, we're taking off layers of ourselves with each life, and we're getting closer inward to that awareness of spirit. And that's what meditation does. Meditation directly links us up with spirit. And then we lose ourselves, what we thought we were in the process. Because remember, we have, a mis we have an identity crisis as we live life. We go through life and we think we're something. And the soul is like, our real selves is there. And it's like, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to, to sober up and realize who you really are. And it's like wearing makeup, wearing paint on your face, wearing a costume and thinking that you're that character in life. You're doing this cosplay and you're dressed up and it's like thinking that you're that. All the while, you're like under, you're right underneath that, that costume. And maybe you forget and you've been wearing the paint for long enough to where you're like, oh wait, I can wash this off. And I'm, I'm that with, I'm already that thing that I was before. That's the ego soul tug of war. You know, it's, it's, it's because ego is self-driving soul is already driven. It, it's not, it's just waiting. So we're going through these lives. We're removing these layers of ego and the soul is see when you say, when I say getting ascending or, or wanting to get better, it's a poor form. It, it's not actually accurate. But for lack of a more complex and accurate term, I'm using that and saying throughout this reincarnation journey, we are improving. We're enhancing our character. If we, if we use game theory or video game concepts, we're enhancing our character. We're increasing, we're picking up more things and we're learning more things and we're fully recognizing what we, the cap our capacity. And when that happens enough, uh, we call that moksha. So we don't come back. We don't reincarnate on earth anymore after a certain point. So we like transcend earth and the desire to do things on earth. Part of that process is gaining wealth, committing a crime, uh, having children, realizing the self in meditation, becoming a monk in one of the lives, right? Robbing a bank, like becoming a king or a czar or building something. So all of these, and they say we reincarnate as, as many, as many grains of sand as there are on our, on every beach on earth. Okay. So many, many, many reincarnations that we can't even fathom the space time continuum here. We can't even understand it and the size of this thing. So this is all happening. It takes that many times to kind of figure out, okay, there's an ego here. I need to remove ego. I am perfect in and of itself. I need to realize that perfection, blah, blah, blah. All of that along the way is karma. The tools for that are ego and emotion and character and desire and will. The soul is perfect and it waits the entire time. And we get closer and closer and closer to it in our own essence as we live our life. Some of those lives are going to be a certain way. They need to be. And as we learn more, as we, as we graduate from this planet, we 
live all of these things. Not necessarily one or the other. We're not necessarily like wealthy and perfect and we're Elon Musk or like, and we create state-of-the-art technology that's out of this world and then we transcend. No, we have to be the Elon Musk. We have to be the, the terrible person at the same time. We have to kind of go through both of these karmas and one's not better than the other. It's just different. So being self-conscious, being having anxiety, being uh, lack of aware, lack of your own capacity, uh, that's all part of it. It's part of that individual karma. And it's a part of this perfect, gradual you know, plan to eventually transcend the need to come back to earth. Um, it seems there's just, how do I say this? Um, like some things are just programmed into us, like at the core. And so according to your beliefs, who does that programming or who or what? I'm not sure how to say. Because some things are just like have to be which means they are programmed, like how you explained the, how the spirit works, then in a way that just seems like programming. Right, right, right. So, so how, how, do, how do you explain the, like the, the programming and source code of creation? Yeah. So that's a difficult question. <laughs> in, in my in, in Hindu philosophy, um, not everything is kind of revealed. There's room for interpretation. There's room for mystery. And there's room for infinite um, interpretation. So, well, from what I'm aware uh, and what I've read to what we call our scripture, um, we have a creator. We have mm -hmm. a, a godlike manifestation spewing out worlds and universes. We call that Shiva. Other people call it Vishnu. And yet another type of Hindu calls that Shakti. So in, in, Saivism, or those who believe in Shiva, Shiva is considered the oldest religion that we know of on earth. And you have one being or one energy source that can create, preserve, destroy, reveal, and conceal. So reveal meaning to expose things, conceal meaning to hide things. Now, this one, the source of this energy, I'm not, I'm not aware of, I don't think. I don't think I've ever read something clarifying the beginning of God. Um, what, what, what I've read that, that mystics and Hindus do know or believe in is that there are cycles of existence or pralayas. A maha pralaya is a number of cycles. 
and these cycles come and go. So there's existence, and then existence is, is drawn into the source and then spewed back out again, again for another round of existence. So, you know, the span of time here, the span of space here, it's so large, it's, it's difficult or maybe impossible. For us, kind of uncomprehensible, yeah. Uncomprehensible. So, uncomprehensible. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, where great thinkers come in, you know, like, um, you ever seen the movie The Theory of Everything with Stephen Hawking and his evolution? I don't think I did, no. Really good movie. But he's a theoretical physicist or was a theoretical physicist. And um, Wait, is he still alive? I don't know. Stephen Hawking isn't, no. No. So, you know, you have these thinkers who are kind of saying that their theories start out in one way. His theory started out with black holes and everything and what they are. And then eventually his theory was that everything is like one and there's a singularity and that everything works on itself and everything can go backwards and reverse and expand again and blah, blah, blah. So he had like a Hindu type theory in his last works. And everyone was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So in reality, our oldest metaphysics and our oldest um, mythologies and, and, and theories and philosophies come from Saivite Hinduism. That's considered the oldest doctrine of what we know the universe to be, which is this, this mysterious expansion and contraction, creation, preservation and destruction, of, of energy, all of it being connected as the same thing or part of the same whole. And it's just spewed out and then absorbed back in over and over again. Beyond that, you have the multi-universe, you have the multiverses, you have the bubble theories, right? You have like string theory. I think that's related. You have, um, you know, the belief that you have all these theories from different people, both Western and Eastern thinkers. So, man, I don't know. I don't know what I believe, but comes before that, that expansion and that contraction and that, that. So what you know. just said is what made us. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, it's written in Hindu scripture that a soul um, is, is spewed out from, it's it's source okay. uh, and we're all parts of the same source so yeah 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 like a fire comes out of a bond like a uh, a bit of a flame mm-hmm. comes out of a, a bonfire and then so the the individual existence of the soul eventually ends as well so we believe in the the issuing forth of a soul Okay, it's spewed out into creation and it goes through its own cycles to to eventually come back to itself and to realize that it's a soul. It's programmed to ascend. And I mean, yeah. I guess the phrasing isn't too good, but yeah. It's programmed to find itself again. So it's like it spits okay. out with oh interesting. With, interesting. with an overlaying uh ignorance. Okay. Like it's very it cool. Spit out <laughs> and it's like it can't see itself. <laughs> 
so it, it starts collecting debris through all these lives. And then eventually it starts shedding the debris and it sees that it's a soul. And upon this scene, it, it transcends one earth, uh, one plane, and then goes to another. We believe that there's a secondary world where we evolve in this secondary world. And then we believe that there's a third world that we evolve again. And then, and that is the final world where that we, when we're finished with that one, the soul attains what's called Vishvagrasa, which is a complete disillusion of itself and it, that an absorption back into the source from which it came. And it, it is individual no more, but part of a one, part of everything, instead of having a remnants of individuality. What does the, I can't remember how you phrase it, but it was something along the lines of before we, let's say reincarnate on the earth you get to choose your karma so where does that choice come in then um it is written that there is a school-like aspect of graduation built in you go into school as a freshman in college you know, you need to graduate and kind of get there. So you, you, you can kind of choose classes here and there and kind of, but you get help along the way. You have guidance, there's teachers, counselors, uh, admissions office, and they can kind of say, hey, you signed up for the wrong thing. We need you to kind of do this. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so it's a similar concept. So you know you need to graduate. Mm-hmm other people who have done more can kind of guide you okay we have help so that's the theory okay interesting how we go into this from my original question <laughs> well that and and stocks and everything that's yeah. the that's the beautiful thing about thought and the mind and, and reality and the space-time experience that we're in, you can unravel every bit of matter into different layers and explain those layers. And they're all true to a degree. They're all part of the same thing. And then they could be collapsed in on themselves to be hidden again, right? So this theme of the soul is kind of the theme of everything. Um, that's why Stephen's Hawking, the movie about Stephen Hawking was called the theory of everything. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, what's that little toy? What's that accordion? It's like an accordion theory. Okay. You can un, undo an accordion and out comes this, these, these, this material and, and it comes in and out and it, a sound comes out of it as it moves and it, and, and it makes music. Um, and you can hide the layers by collapsing it in on itself. So none of those things die or go away because there's a, co a collapsation. I don't know the word for that because there's a collapsing, but, but they're just hidden, right? So that's the concealed. Mm -hmm. So when they're, when the accordion is open again and, and all of its glory can be seen, it's a revealing, concealing, revealing. Um, so this, these, this theory about life itself uh, can be shown in the microcosm and the macrocosm. 
you could talk about the stock market and you can find uh, similarities between the stock market and the universe. So it's kind of neat how if you're really good at finding thought and expanding it and unraveling thought, you can think about anything and you can damn near understand most things because you understand the, the foundations of thinking in that way. You know, if you're but then yeah. problems come when let's say you're using something, an analysis analogy um, to explain something, but then those two don't actually relate, even though it makes sense. Like the analogy makes sense when you're explaining, explaining it through like what you want to explain. But then, yeah, it's a problem when those things don't actually relate, but you don't realize they don't relate. Is what I'm saying making sense or not? Well, I think so. Um... Because we have a way of breaking down complex things into simpler things using analogies. Yes. But then what if you don't realize that the analogy you're using doesn't actually relate in the same way even though when you're explaining it, it makes sense, like you're presuming that the analogy is like operates on in the same fund in the same type of foundation as the concept you're trying to simplify. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know though. I'd have to hear an example of what doesn't relate. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll go back to my question. Um, yeah, you I must heard... be something must be driving that conundrum. So let's point. say for feeling comfortable in your own skin uh let's say i remember an example of uh let's say you're rose and uh you're let's say in las vegas and you're trying to become a cactus and in las vegas it's very hot and like you see the cactus thriving there and you just want to be like the cactus but since you're a rose you don't really fit into that environment that's not your type of environment so you shouldn't be trying to force yourself to be like the cactus. Uh, you're you thrive in like a different environment. Like I can't. I mean, I don't know much about flowers, so I don't know where roses thrive. But just <laughs> imagine like an environment where roses thrive. So like in that sort of analogy, let's say you're maybe not the type of person who thrives in a party situation. You're more of a person who, let's say, someone is going through a really like hard place in their life, and you're really good at talking to them one v one and easing that burden off them. But like each person has like their own different types of things that they are better at. So yeah, like let's say that analogy, like I didn't know whether I agreed with it because it presumed that you can't change yourself because it's saying like a rose can't become a cactus. But what if like you can't really compare us to roses and cactuses in like that way and we actually can just change ourselves? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like what I mean by using an analogy to break something down. But yeah, so in a sense, in a sense, that there is no greater reflection or, or comparison between or similarities between the rose and the cactus. And so it goes against the laws of the universe and the interconnectedness of everything. I'm not sure what you're trying to say with that. So if I were to think I think I understand what you're saying. Um, 
And I, I, I agree that there is a level in which the, the rose and the cactus analogy cannot be used. But then I, I believe that there is another level, possibly more important, that can be used. So while one lesson can, cannot be derived from the analogy, another lesson can be derived. Mm -hmm. And then that compares directly to your experience in life, to our experience in life. Okay. So no, I don't think the rose sh should try to be like the cactus. But then again, um, you know, if you go deep enough, uh, they're probably made up of the same things. Okay. But, but they have different properties as they zoom out. So in like, back in like, let's say the real world, do you think a person can't then change itself to be comfortable in their own skin in like a social environment if they're more of an introvert? Like, can't you change yourself to be comfortable in a party setting, even though you think you're not like the type of person who can be? If it's your karma to do so, I mean, anyone, anyone can change their karma. Anyone can change their, their comfortable level, right? They're, they're, they can become more sociable or they can get worse and, and become more introverted as life goes on. It, it just depends on what you, what you're met, what you're supposed to do, what your, what your, your karma so well, I like being comfortable in social situations. So I would like to work towards that. Boom. There you go. I mean, if that's your goal, see, if it, if it wasn't your goal, you probably wouldn't get better. You wouldn't want to get better. Wouldn't some people who, and there's no denying that there are certain devastating karmas. Like there's nothing, uh, there, there's potentially nothing uplifting about someone's karma in this life. Like there's, you know, you got some babies put in a trash can and they die. Gone. Like one week old. That's their karma. There's nothing special about that. In On one level. On another level, that soul going back to the inner world can now check that off their list in there, done that time to move on to a, a full life where I, I get to grow up. Then there's suicide karma. Terrible on one level, terrible on one level, but on another level, right? The grand scheme of things level, not a bad thing just a thing, just an experience, check it off the list, go back in. So with everything, there are various levels, perspectives, realities, and each reality has its own truth. What's true for us is not true for an ant, right? Rain is good for us. Rain can be devastating for an ant. It remains rain all the same. Mm -hmm. So depending on how you look at rain, too much of it could be a very deadly thing. Too little of it could be a very deadly thing. Like the perfect balance makes for a good ecosystem. So life has this varying degree of, of advancement or levels and perspectives. What I'm saying is 
you can enter into different perspectives. You can be the thing that shifts perspective, not you don't have to force the rain. You don't have to force the, the rose to survive in the cactitic environment. You, 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 I think, I don't know if I just made that word up. I hope I did, but <laughs> you, you, you can then change your perspective and say, well, well, wait a minute. Why is the rose trying to adapt to that environment? It doesn't make sense. Like because it wants to like Stephen (laughs) Covey said it's like using a tennis racket on a golf course ain't gonna happen (laughs) no matter how motivated you are so you have to kind of play the game a little bit not try to kind of fight against things you know fight things against themselves it's like be the be the perspective shift not the things being affected by perspective and you can be much more fluid. If you're identifying as the rose or the cactus or whatever, then you will not be able to change your nature mm-hmm. right? because there are certain physical yeah. laws that block them from being something else. However, if you don't identify with the cactus or if you don't identify with that identity, then perhaps you can actually adjust your mindset so the plant is doomed in the end because it has a lack of consciousness but which is why it's not a good analogy to begin with Um, as a human with consciousness and, and energy centers which is unique between us and animals and plant life again with all of life there are various levels of perspectives or consciousness so you don't want to compare yourself to a dolphin. I don't care how smart they are. They don't have the same level of consciousness that we do. I don't care like about the scientific studies of how they communicate and stuff like that. Maybe they're advanced far more than we understand. But I tell you what, they're never going to be able to do the things that I'm able to do. Ever. So that we are we we are need we need to have the proper analogies in order to understand our situation in life just like we need to have the right tools for the job can't go onto a golf course with a tennis racket ain't gonna work no matter how good you are with either tool like i'm really good at tennis uh that doesn't mean it's gonna work on a golf course you need to understand life or play that's what playing the game means like understanding life as it is in the moment um and you don't want to compare yourself to a limited a mm-hmm. limited limited being the, the 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 preciousness of being a human is that we are unlimited to most degrees if not to all, if you looked, if you zoomed all the way out, say, well, you can't fly. Well, not in this world. So there's, I can give you another perspective to where that, that becomes true eventually. So there's an unlimited sense about us, about this theory. And 
that's why it's 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 difficult to live life when you believe in everything that you only things that you can see when you have this materialistic mm-hmm. sense of life very challenging because you're entering a limited sphere sphere with an unlimited character and again it's you're becoming the rose and the cactus thing again you're entering into limitation we want to reverse that and be and and look at life in the unlimited sense the limitless nature of life then we start kind of playing the game the way it's designed um and that all comes from like the rise of ignorance from ignorance to knowledge from knowledge to wisdom it's all part of that that path okay very nice yeah that's wild nice I need to write, and, I need to, yeah. i'll need to go back into the recording <laughs> and yeah. write down what i said about the comic. <laughs> i think that was really cool i don't remember what it is now <laughs> and i really like where we're heading because when we first started off i had to have everything written down i could i was like too afraid of like improvising because i didn't want to mess up but this was basically completely improvised. I only had one question. I wanted to see how it goes. If I just have one question, um, yeah, go from there. And I think it turned out pretty you well. You don't even need so, yeah. that. You don't even need that. Maybe I think just like- in case, one question, so we can like get <laughs> onto something, like start on something. And from there, we just go. <laughs> off. I will say, though, that was a phenomenal question. That was a really, I don't know where that question came from. But but the, the, that's the thing. It, it, it can be simple, too. And I... I can kind of expand on a simple thing. Because <laughs> yeah. you said there were different levels and you just went straight into the hardcore level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how it relates to the average person, but it was a good episode. I mean, I'm, I sometimes I question the level of like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I communicate in an, on, in, in an autistic type of spectrum sometimes. Why do you think that? <clears throat> well, because the way i think about things and and it's just different you're just thinking different that doesn't mean autism it just means you yeah. think different. it's very it's, it's sometimes it's logical to the point where well i'm lucky enough to where i think i can unlogify myself like and not use logic when there's yeah. no need for it and i can relax into a thing but sometimes like helena will say something that i'm like i don't understand what you're saying like because I'm thinking about every possible yeah, yeah, yeah. level. I understand that, I think. And she's like, I was just saying. That you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I could definitely relate to that. I'm like, okay, there's 23 hours before the garbage truck comes. So technically I have to do that now. But <laughs> what is the urgency? But what is 24 hours anyway? <laughs> if you really think about it. All right. And it's funny because that's what like... Uh, I don't know. Like, that's why when I start talking to someone and they they start explaining their situation, like in like let's say they're looking for help or something. A lot of the times, people talk to me and they end up they're looking for help of some some of some sort of clarity, and they say something and it's and they're like, "What do you think?" And I'm like, "Which level should I use to answer that?" Exactly. I don't even know where to begin <laughs> because that can be broken down into an infinite number of understanding. 
or infinite number of interpretations. I was mm-hmm. talking to uh, an 11 year old recently, the same 11 year old I talked about before. Yeah. Brilliant kid. And he was talking about scripture and he's like, yeah, but so this is where the scripture doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I was like, doesn't make sense to what level of consciousness? <laughs> and he was like, never before had that concept entered his brain where there's another way to look at something in that way. And it's like, that's, he's 11 years old, but most people think like that. Like there's only one route and it's like, there is an infinite number of routes and you won't be able to fathom most of them. But if you stop and think for a second, or employ resources and grab other perspectives, you can start to build an equation that at least at least adds some variety. And if you have five perspectives and you gather a team, everyone has five perspectives, pretty soon you could have hundreds of perspectives. And that's why gathering information is so important. To, to, to think, and I think one of my greatest insights I've ever had in my life is your life is too short to ever acquire wisdom. You cannot almost, I, I don't think the individual can acquire enough wisdom to be an intelligent person. You need other catalysts. You need books you need other people, you need other data to build on the source code because you yourself cannot write enough code to execute um, a Boolean. You just don't know what happens next. And if it's just you, it's gonna take you 60 years before that prompt can move along and finish a certain section of the code. But if if you search Google and copy other divs, and put, you know, then you can build on other people's code. Is that what happened with, let's say, the oldest scriptures that are around? Were they, because since they were the first ones, then there wasn't anything before, which means, uh-huh. so yeah, okay, you had an aha, so explain that aha. That's why they're so special, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's an, it's an intuited stream of code from a divine source. So scripture is not supposed to be written by a man or by a human or by a conscious being on this plane. A scripture is a clairaudient or clairvoyant intake, a stream of information from a divine source, and then it's written down. Or and do you think that was achieved from people who are meditating and reached yes, themselves? Rishis, they call them. Okay. So, but then in that way, then you technically don't need books or people around you if you can look deep, deep Boom. enough within yourself. Hence, the true reason for meditation. It's not to calm yourself down. It's not to lower your blood pressure. It's to intuit divine information so that you can live your life in isolation if you had to. You can, you can then eventually, I mean, the ultimate goal is to internalize your awareness enough to see spirit and in the process there's this open stream uh of information you start to receive but so i you have to leave that out because 
and not of, of the recording, but out of the explanation most of the time, because most people are not on that level. So I yeah. rarely see stuff like that because I know who I'm talking to. I know this person is not going to dedicate the next 10 years to intense meditation, right? So what is meditation going to be good for them? That's where a good teacher comes into play. A good coach kind of identifies the, and, and empowers people based on their capacity. Mm-hmm. So, and then tries to break through them a little bit. So when someone comes to me and says something close enough to where I can, I can hear a mystic talking, I'm like, all right, this person can understand what I'm about to say. But if I say that to someone, you know, who's never thought about meditation before, they'll be like, uh, okay, I got to go. Like, not wanting to talk about that kind of stuff because they don't understand. They won't benefit from it. But yeah, most people cannot have that direct source of, of, of wisdom. It takes too long. It takes 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. We want wisdom accrued very quickly, as quickly as possible, as efficiently as, as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. And so we read a book, all of a sudden, the wisdom from that person's entire life or, or where they are, where they wrote that book is now ingrained in you. It's a matrix effect, right? Mm-hmm. Neo wants to learn a certain martial <clears throat> art to download it into his system or is it uploaded? So that's what we want with books. Like our matrix upload is meditation, reading, talking to other people, being open right being the sponge as they call it just absorbing as much as we can and then within a year we may have the acquired wisdom or knowledge and mixture of wisdom of maybe 20 years or 30 years and we we do that year after year after year and all of a sudden we can kind of be like a very old wise person in our youth that's um I think that's the, one of the single greatest realizations I've ever had. It's not, and it's not just me, right? It, that many, many people have thought that, um, but that I had never heard anyone say that before. Okay. I don't think, I think that was an, in, that came out of my own brain. And that's a rare thing to say. So if you can do that, if one or two thoughts can be truly yours, that's ideal. Try to do more of that. But it's not it's not common because you know and we you won't really know either if they're truly your own individual thoughts or no, if they were no. subconsciously influenced by exactly. things you've read before. So yeah. Yep. Picked up along the way and all of a sudden, you know, the, the best you can do is 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 gather information and give credit to your teachers and, and mm-hmm. the process and, and hope that you're not intellectually plagiarizing anyone. <laughs> And I apologize if that is not my thought. <laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you, you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you, Rokas, for getting me on this show. This today was a very good example of how this would not happen if I wasn't pushed. Um, one thing leads to another and, and life happens. So good to pause life and record it for everyone listening. Um, yeah. Let's let's end it there and, and see you guys next time. Till next time. Goodbye.